Uh, my name is Felix. For those who don't know me, yeah, I've been coming to this church for the past nine years or so. Uh, I'm one of the deacons here at church. And as a church family, we have been going through the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is a book that is packed with a lot of truth. And uh, it, it describes the, the early church and the journey that they were on, where us as a church, we pick on as we journey through. I'm hoping that the microphone is going to be turned a little bit down. So we have been going through the book of Acts. And in the past few Sundays, we have been looking at uh, uh, Acts uh, I think from Acts 6 to around Acts 7, it talks about a, a little bit of change in the way the apostles were managing the affairs of the church. The reason why a change came about was that there was a lot of murmur and a lot of complaints coming when the church was meeting together to pray in Jerusalem. And as a result of that, the apostles who are ministering to the believers, who are being converted day by day, decided that they are not going to spend a lot of time dealing with complaints and matters that are arising every day as a result of distribution of food or unfairness in the way the affairs are being charged. So they appointed seven men who they appointed them as deacons so that these men can help them in the distribution of food and looking after the affairs of the church. And the apostles themselves dedicated themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Now, for the past two Sundays, we have looked at one of these men whose name is Stephen. Now, as Ad and his family presented so well the character of Stephen, he was a man of great character, and he had persuasive scripture logged in his heart that he was willing to share and present the gospel. And as Pradeep picked on on the same story the last Sunday, we saw that this brewed jealousy in the leadership of the Sanhedrin until Stephen was stoned. So we left off last Sunday whereby Stephen has been stoned because of his commitment of presenting the word of God. Now, at this time, great persecution arose. We were introduced to a young man called Paul, who was brewing with anger at the time of Stephen's stoning. And this man, Saul, started persecuting the church, and the church was dispersed in all areas, in Samaria, in Judea, and in the rest of the world, just as Jesus had said, you are going to take this gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, Today I want to introduce you to one of the other seven men who were appointed as deacons. Now, one of these men, whose name is Philip, he went off because of persecution and went into the city of Samaria. Now, as he went into this city, he started preaching the gospel of Jesus. And something amazing happened in this city. The whole city responded to the gospel. And as the whole city responded to the gospel, people started getting healed. Demons started departing from people. And there was great joy in that city. Philip was at a time of his life whereby he had ministered the word. The response has been so great. 
joy is in the city until the apostles back into Jerusalem sent Peter and John to come and kind of bless this ministry that Philip was in. And as they come, they lay their hands on these believers and these believers receive the Holy Spirit. And there is even more joy when the Holy Spirit comes because where the Spirit of Christ is, there is freedom. So I want to picture this. Picture you as Philip being a minister. You have just gone in an unreached world and you have ministered the gospel and the response has been so great that the whole city is jumping with joy. And then the apostles have come. They've laid their hands on the people and they have received the Holy Spirit and there is even more joy in that city. You are at the top of your ministry. If it was me or you, probably you would say, this is just time to kick back, relax, and enjoy the fruits of what I have worked for. But this is not what happened. We pick up our story, and I want to read from uh, the story from Acts 8 from verse 26. Bear with me. It's a little bit of a long read, but it's important. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he did. And he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch, a great authority under the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning seated in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the, gar- the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. So he asked, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I when there is no one to instruct me? And he begged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers. He did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, was Isaiah talking about himself or someone else? So Philip began with this same scripture and then used many others to tell him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, there is some water. Why can't I be baptized? You might be asking that same question this morning. Why can't I be baptized? We have some water there. We'll find out. He ordered the carriage to stop. And they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north of the city of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every city along the way until he came to Caesarea. Now, this story fascinates me. It fascinates me in the sense that Philip had reached 
the top of his ministry, just in a very short while. But then he is in a very fruitful soil. He is reaping the benefits of coming and presenting the gospel of Jesus to the Samaritans. But then the, the angel of the Lord comes and says, Philip, depart, take the path through the desert that goes to Gaza. Now Philip obeyed without question. Now if it was me, I would have said, I need to hear that again. I don't think it is right. And I say that because in some time of our life, we experience seasons of joy, seasons of happiness, seasons of plenty, seasons when things are going right. But then God directs us into a direction that in our vintage point, we don't see it being a clear path like where we are. And we return our feet behind and say, God, you will speak again before I can obey. But our good brother Philip did not waver in his thought. He departed straight forth, heading the direction that God had directed him. Another thing that fascinates me about his response is that there was another path that he would have taken to go where God was telling him to. But God told him to follow the path that goes through the desert. Now my problem is, and so many of our problems is, we have no problem going where God wants us to go. But we just don't want to take the path that he wants us to take. Because at some point I sit and I say, God, you have spoken to me. This is where you want me to be. And then God has said, go, follow this path. But if I look at the path, I see this path is through the desert. How am I going to look after my family? How am I going to do this and that and that if I follow that path? But God, there is another path. There is a shortcut to this. I can use this. I can go around this corner and still arrive in Gaza. So why are you asking me to go through the desert? But I want to assure you that God has a purpose in the desert. And God has a purpose when he tells you, this is the path that I want you to take. I want to remind you of the story of the children of Israel back in Exodus. God told them, march through the land that I have promised you. Now, they were to take 11 days to march through the land of Canaan. But they reach there and they say, no, the path that God has told us to take, there are so many giants. There are so many obstacles. So let us send spies to investigate how we are going to get into that. And they went around investigating. What happened? They ended up roaming into the desert for 40 years. A journey that would have taken them 11 days to get into Canaan took them 40 years. And as I was reading this, I felt in my spirit that we need to be people who will go by faith and believe God for what he says. Because when he gives us a way through the desert, he has made a way through the desert. So good for our brother Philip, he went. 
And as he goes through this path, he sees a carriage. This carriage is passing by or is ahead of him. And the spirit within him, the, the angel of the Lord tells him, you go and join the carriage. Now Philip does another fascinating thing. He didn't also doubt. Instead of Philip walking, the Bible says, Philip ran. He did not wait. He did not doubt. He ran to go meet the carriage. Now, in the recent past in this church, there are people who have taken steps of faith, big leaps of faith, to kind of jump into the desert, coming from a joyful place. I just want to remember as I honor Andrew. You know, he was the pastor and the leader of this church for quite some, some years. And the church was in a very good place. We were at a very joyful moment, joyful place. And God had, has given us this building under his leadership. But then God spoke to him about handing over the button and moving on. And like Philip, Andrew handed over the button at a, at a place whereby nobody would have told him, oh, Andrew, you need to leave. Nobody would have told him, you have had enough. But he walked the step of faith and said, I'm going to hand over the button and I'm going to leave. Another man that fascinates me is our leader now, Nathan. Now, Nathan had a very good job in a very good organization with a very good salary. But then the Spirit spoke to his heart about coming into ministry, leaving the secular world, coming into the ministry. And he left all that and he came to tend for the Lamb of God. And I want to tell you, there will be moments in your life whereby the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart about something that you think it is not right. That you think in your own flesh, in your own ability, it is impossible. But I want to stir your faith this morning that if you take the step of faith and say that I'm going to move into this desert that God is moving me into, God is going to provide a way in the desert. So Philip goes and he meets this chariot. And as he comes, good on him that he ran. Because as he ran, he moves closer and he hears the Ethiopian eunuch reading this word. He, led, he was led as sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before his, its shearers. He did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Now I want to tell you, if Philip would not have moved with the pace to catch up with the chariot, he would not have found the Ethiopian eunuch reading these very words. He probably would have found him maybe quiet, not reading. He would probably have found him maybe reading something else. But because of his hastening his steps to go and meet with this chariot, he found the exact place that this man was reading, which made him start ministering to him right from where he was reading. 
And I want to tell you this morning that you will encounter people in your life. Anywhere that they are, God has a starting point. You can start with the very words that they are saying. You can start with the very place that they are and minister Christ to them. So, the Bible says that Philip asked this man, do you understand what you are reading? Now, the Bible is packed with truth. But the question to us is that do we understand what we read? when we read the word of God. Because this man had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was a rich man because he was the messenger of the queen of Ethiopia. And back in Jerusalem where he had gone to worship, he had, he had bought a, a, a present there for himself, a scroll of Isaiah. And sat in his chariot, he was reading. And Philip comes and asks him, do you understand what you are reading. And the man says, how can I if someone don't interpret it to me? How can I if someone don't explain it to me? And that becomes our entry point, you and I as Christians. Jesus has called us to go and make disciples. Jesus has given us a calling to go and reach to the lost souls and call them to himself. Now, you don't need to be a pastor to make disciples. You don't need to be an apostle or an evangelist to make disciples. The calling to make disciples is for every believer who has confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior. We are all called to make disciples. And we are called to call one soul and reach out to one soul at a time. What Philip is doing here is what we might call personal evangelism. Reaching to one person, speaking to that one person about Jesus. And Philip did that. So what did, what did Philip tell this man that was so fascinating that made him say, I want to follow Jesus? I believe, as the Bible says, that he, told this man, he began from where this man was reading and he told him about Jesus. I would pray for myself and for you that we will have the ability to convert every conversation and make it about Jesus. I will pray that we will be able to convert every scripture that we read and make it about Jesus. Philip did not go on telling this guy about himself. He did not go on telling this guy about the events that were happening around. He read this scripture and from that scripture spoke to this man about Jesus. We are in the business of introducing people to Christ. So I believe Philip told this man about Jesus, about the story of Jesus. He told him this prophecy that is in here speaks about Jesus. And not only this prophecy, but so many other prophecies speak about him. He would have spoken to this Ethiopian about the birth of Jesus. How miraculously Jesus was born by the will and the power of God through the Holy Spirit. He would have told this man 
about how Jesus was baptized and how a voice from heaven called out to say, this is my son of whom I'm well pleased. He would have told him about the character of Jesus. How Jesus himself presented his life by serving others. He would have told him the words of Jesus that he said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. He would have lined this gospel with words that come from other parts of Isaiah, which speaks about the suffering servant who will become glorious because of his suffering and who will die for the sins of the world. I believe Philip would have gone on to speak about the claims that Jesus made. The claims that Jesus made that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I believe that he would have gone on to talk about Jesus' personal encounters. How Jesus personally encountered with Nicodemus and Nicodemus asked the question, what can I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus had told Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born again. You must be born of water and of spirit before you can inherit the kingdom of God. And as Philip travels in the carriage with this man, he continues to speak to him about Jesus. And I believe at some point, this man asked the question, what can I do? Hearing this story about Jesus, hearing this sacrifice that the Lord Jesus made for me, how can I respond to that? It might be a question that you might be asking yourself this morning. What can I do with Jesus? How can I respond to the truth that is found in the word that God loves me? What can I do with this reality that my sins are forgiven and I'm counted righteous by God? What can I do with this promise that I will receive eternal life if I put my faith and trust in Jesus? And as the eunuch asked that, I believe Philip would have told him, as, as even Peter preached on that Pentecost day, he would have told him, repent and be baptized and you will receive forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the eunuch did just that because the next part that we see is that it says they came to the water. And he asked Philip, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, nothing. If you have, you've put your faith in Jesus. If you've confessed your sins, if you want to follow him all the days of their life, then there is nothing that is preventing you from being baptized. Baptism is about publicly declaring that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. No longer hiding in the shadows. No longer thinking that this is just for me and me alone but wanting to scream at the top of the mountain to say that, Jesus, I belong to you. And this is what this Ethiopian just did. And they stepped into the water, and he was baptized. And as he was baptized, Philip is taken away, zoomed off through the Spirit, and he is found in another town, still preaching the gospel. 
But it says, the Ethiopian, he went away his way rejoicing. Now, the Ethiopian, there is evidence that he had received the Holy Spirit on his baptism. Why? Because he does not go away rejoicing for Philip. He does not go away speaking about Philip. But he goes away rejoicing because of Jesus. There are times we speak to people. There are times we present Christ to people. And they go away talking about us talking about how we helped them, talking about how we sacrificed for them. But the reality of the gospel is, when people leave us, they need to be talking about Jesus and what Christ has done for them. So I want to draw up three things or four things that we can just look at that can help us in our call to make disciples. The first thing that we can see from this story is God prepares the way ahead of us. God prepared a way, way, way ahead of Philip. Before even Philip went into Samaria, in John chapter, around chapter 4, chapter 2 there, I'm not very sure, Jesus went into Samaria, I think it's John 4, Jesus went into Samaria and he met a woman there by the well. And Jesus starts speaking to this woman. And this woman is fascinated to ask Jesus, why are you speaking to me? Yet you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Because Jews and Samaritan, they had no relationship. But Jesus speaks truth to this woman. And this woman is so fascinated by the love of Christ, regardless of all the things that she has done. And she leaves her pot behind, and she runs into the city and tells people, come and see this man who has told me everything that I have ever done. And the Samaritan beseeches on Jesus to stay with them and minister to them. And Jesus had stayed in Samaria and ministered to them. So even as Philip is coming to present Jesus and telling them, this same Jesus who was here ministering to him, now he has become your savior by dying on the cross for you, they receive that gospel because Jesus had already broken the ground. And I say that this morning to encourage you, you who seem to be hitting walls when you speak to people about Christ. And you get frustrated in your heart and you think that I've been speaking to my family for this long. I've been speaking to my friend for this long. Why is it that my message is not getting through? Why is it that they keep on mocking me regardless of my efforts to convert them? I want to tell you that Jesus is preparing the way even as you speak to those people. Jesus might not have seen the fruits when he was ministering to the Samaritans. But when Philip came, the whole city received Christ. God is also preparing the way for Philip. Even as Philip goes through the desert, God has prepared a way for this Ethiopian eunuch to receive Philip or to receive Christ. So as this Ethiopian eunuch buys this scroll in Jerusalem when he went to worship, he did not know that through this scroll he's going to receive the gospel of Jesus. He's going to receive the truth that will lead him to eternal life. 
So even as he travels, God prepares a way for him, for him to encounter with Philip. And I want to tell you that there are people who you haven't met yet in your life that God has put in your path to encounter with you. And through your encounter with those people, they are going to encounter Jesus. So as you continue, I want to encourage you, regardless of the obstacles that you are facing, keep walking. Because you are going to encounter people along the way who you are going to bring to Christ. Another thing that we see from here, not only does God prepare the way, but we see also the obedience of Philip. The command to make disciples is a command from our Lord and Savior. He says, go and make disciples. And we have to obey that. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it is not an easy walk, just as Philip felt when he was in the, in the wilderness. But we have to say yes and yes and yes over and over again. Because sometimes I sit back and I say, no, I'm not going to obey. Or I say, I'm going to wait a little longer. Or I say, I'm just going to measure the winds a little bit and see where their direction is going. But that is not obedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. So when Jesus is speaking to your heart and telling you, I want you to go here. I want you to speak to that person. Let's be obedient by going and listening to what he is saying. Another thing we pick from here is not only are we to be obedient, but we also have to be knowledgeable in the word. I wonder what would have happened if Philip was a Christian, a kind of a Christian that knew nothing about the Bible. And then this Ethiopian asks him, how can I understand if someone doesn't tell me or doesn't explain it to me? And he invites him to his chariot. What kind of conversation would they have had? When the Ethiopian would have had all these questions to ask, what would Philip have said if he didn't know the scriptures? So I want to encourage you as a Christian, let us have the habit of reading the scriptures. Let us have the habit of learning the scriptures because you are going to encounter so many questions. And unless you are equipped with the tools that can help people in their questions, you are not going to get people where they need to be. Because there are lots of questions being asked. We need to have answers to those questions. And how are we going to have answers to that question? Brings me to my last point. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Reading the Bible in itself, without the Holy Spirit, you are not going to get anything. Trying to minister to someone in your own energy, you are just going to hit the wall. Trying to do things and even serve in church without the Holy Spirit, you are just going to burn out. 
But let us desire the presence of the Holy Spirit by asking the Holy Spirit, come and empower me for ministry. Come and empower me to walk with Christ. Come and empower me to be a witness wherever I go. So let's have that desire to do so. I want to draw one or two prayer points here. You might be here, you have never received Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have never given it a thought. Or you might have never heard the name Jesus or heard the gospel of Jesus. I want to tell you this morning, the Lord Jesus loves you. He knows you. And he has made a way for you to be here to hear the name of Jesus. If you want to put your faith in Jesus, there will be people praying on my right. Come along. Let us pray with you. Let us talk you through. If you have that question, what must I do to receive eternal life? You might be here this morning. You are in a joyful place. But God is calling you into what looks to you like a desert. And you are thinking, how am I going to go there? How am I going to live the plenty that I have? How am I going to live the joy that I have to go into the desert? I want to tell you, make the step of faith. Because God is with you. I find it so bad of me as a Christian to scream every time I'm in a desert, to scream, God deliver me, take me out of the desert, take me out of the desert, please. And I find myself praying over and over again to get out of the desert. But I think God needs to give us the courage that when we are in a joyful place to pray that, God, will you please take me into the desert? Now, that is a brave prayer. And I just want to challenge our hearts that let us think of those moments whereby we are joyful. We are prospering. We, we've kind of got it, and our lives seem to be so good. I want to challenge you. Let us be provocative in our prayers and say, God, take me into the desert. Because it is in the desert that we are going to encounter growth in our lives. Because where we are, in the joyful place, there are so many temptations that will arise. They were plentiful in Jerusalem, sat there rejoicing and praising God. Their numbers were being added every day. But they didn't stay like that. They started murmuring and complaining about food, about supplies. And it is so true what they say about Christians. Christians, someone says they are like manure. If you heap them together, they stink. If you spread them apart, they do so much good. And the church of Jerusalem experienced this. They were together. 
in one voice, praising and worshiping. Yes, but there were complaints every day until the apostles say, no, we can't deal with this because we have neglected the ministry of prayer and the word. We are day to day dealing with issues of food and tables. So let us set aside people who will do that. But you see the difference when persecution came. When they were thrown into the desert. Now see the miracle happen. See now the, the prophecy of Jesus that this message will be preached in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now this Ethiopian becomes the first African to be converted to take the message to Africa. Why? Because they went into the desert. So I want to tell you, don't be afraid of the desert. Embrace the desert. Look out for opportunities in the desert because that is where God is going to meet you. So be encouraged if you are in the desert today. And then lastly, may we seek to walk with the Spirit. Because sometimes it is not just enough to say that I have heard the voice of God and I'm going. Because you might, heard the vo you might hear the voice of the devil. Because there are people who will go and they are so convinced that I heard the voice of God, I'm going. But you need to evaluate what does the Bible say about that voice that you say you heard. What does the apostolic oversight say about that voice that you think you heard? If that voice that you say you, you, you heard is in line with the scriptures, then by all means, go. But if there is any contrary thing in that voice that is against the scriptures, then it is not the voice of Christ. Because we can have a danger of people hearing voices that they think they are the voice of God, but they are not. So measure the voices that you hear in your head upon the scripture, upon the apostolic oversight, and then go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Shall we stand?